0: where there's a story about a a prosecutor who hasn't prosecuted a domestic violence case in 21 years and has no idea that he hasn't done that. And when I went to him and I said, you know, do you realize you haven't prosecuted a domestic violence case in 21 years? He said, has it been that long?
1: Hello and welcome to the Civic Hacker Podcast. I'm your host, Lori McNeil, founding director of the Civic Hacker Network and the Civic Hacker Summit. Our mission is to support people who use data and technology to make a positive impact in their communities. We do this by equipping and empowering technologists to move their change-making projects forward. We also amplify the work our membership is doing by providing a platform through which Civic Hackers can publicize their projects, collaborate and get the resources and support they need. In this episode of the Civic Hacker Podcast, we are featuring an interview with one of the incredible keynotes from the Civic Hacker Summit, Amy Bach, founder and CEO of Measures for Justice. If you think that your community would be safer and better served if there was more transparency in the criminal justice system, you're not alone. You are really going to be fascinated by what Amy has to say in this interview. She tells us about the ambitious plan Measures for Justice has to open up county-level data that tracks cases from arrest to post-conviction in the U.S. You will learn some eye-opening information about how and why the administration of justice across the 3,000 U.S. counties is so inconsistent. And why Measures for Justice thinks that prosecutors are going to be the champions and early adopters of their innovative criminal justice data platform. After the interview, stay tuned for an update on how, in 2020, Measures for Justice is contributing to the hard conversations communities are having right now about COVID, police reform, and transparency. Without further ado, the interview. Amy Bach founded Measures for Justice in April 2011 as a follow-up to her acclaimed book, Ordinary Injustice, How America Holds Court, which won the 2010 Robert F. Kennedy Book Award. In June 2011, Echoing Green, a premier seed investor for social entrepreneurs, selected Ms. Bach as a fellow out of 3,000 candidates worldwide to support the launch of Measures for Justice. For her work on ordinary injustice, Ms. Bach received a Soros Media Fellowship, a special J. Anthony Lucas citation, and a Radcliffe Fellowship. Amy was a Knight Foundation Journalism Fellow at Yale Law School and a graduate of Stanford Law School. In 2012, she taught criminal law during the spring semester at the University of Buffalo Law School as a visiting professor. With that, let's bring on Amy. Hello. Hey. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for being here. Um, You know, it's it's pretty exciting to talk to you. This is very
0: cool, the whole thing.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Um, So for those who are unfamiliar, uh, could you just please provide a little bit of background on how you came to write Ordinary Injustice? Sure. Um, I am a lawyer, and
0: I uh, wrote a book called Ordinary Injustice, How America Holds Court. And it's about how people who work in the system can have the best intentions in their hearts. Like they want to do justice. They think they're doing justice. But because they have no way to see how they're performing, they might turn a blind eye to an enormous set of problems. Like there's a story about a public defender in Georgia who pleads 48 people guilty in a day, and he thinks he's, he's doing a great job because he got, gets through a whole calendar, right? He gets through a whole. Ca- so for him, speed equals success. Or there's a story about uh, a, a prosecutor who hasn't prosecuted a domestic violence case in 21 years and has no idea that he hasn't done that. And when I went to him and I said, you know, do you realize you haven't prosecuted a domestic violence case in 21 years? He said, Has it been that long? and the idea is that the people who work in these communities they they can't change what they can't see so that prosecutor had no data he had no information in front of him showing him that you know around the rural counties around him this is how many domestic violence cases they prosecuted and he was actually you know putting many of those cases aside so the idea is to begin to create a set of measures And to look for data to put against the measures so that you could see what's going on in counties across America. So, I mean, it's kind of a difficult concept to understand unless you compare it to something else. Like if I said to you, um, you know, how, how do you get an airplane ticket, right? Now, if this were 1986, right, you would say, I call it my travel agent. Right, and she gets me an airplane ticket because there really was, you know, no internet, there was no expedia, et cetera. Right. But today you just go in and you look and you can look across all different kayak, it's all these then you can begin to compare and you, the consumer, can see what's going on, right, in this field. And if I said to you, like, what's your home worth, Lori? you would say You know, um, I'm not exactly sure, but I'll just plug it in and I'll look and I can see what my home is worth today. I don't have to go down to the county clerk's office. I don't have to ask a real estate agent. Um, But where we are in criminal justice now is that there are 3,000 counties in the United States. Okay, so 3,000 and each one has its own justice system, but yet there's no set of measures and no data against them. So you could go in and say, well, how am I doing? What's going on in my county? So you as the consumer, you as um, the defendant or victim or prosecutor or public defender really doesn't have a set of reliable statistics so that you could bring together everybody in a room and say, look, we haven't prosecuted domestic violence case here in 21 years. Is it the prosecutor's problem? Is it the police's problem? Is it the community's problem? Maybe we don't want to prosecute domestic violence in this county. These are the kinds of
1: conversations
0: that in America we need to start having.
1: For sure. And so, um, you know, I know that we see kind of around um, at least like, say, the data visualization community and people that are just starting to dive into um, looking at data visualization for advocacy purposes or even just, you know, as a way to highlight an issue they care about. You know, they're looking to a lot of open data and public data. Could you explain some of the differences and maybe even some of the caveats? Sure. So what Measures for Justice
0: does is we collect information, basically, um, in, um, on every person who's processed through the criminal justice system in a state. And right now, um, we have 300 counties. And we operate, as I said, on the county level, because that's where justice happens. And we, uh, our measures go for the entire system, from arrest to post-conviction. So the idea is that each part of the system, whether it's pre-trial, trial, trial, post-trial, it's all connected in some certain way. And all the players are connected, right? It's not like you could just measure prosecutors because what they do is so dependent upon law enforcement, in some cases, on what a public defender does. So the idea is that it's all connected together. So we do, at the county level, from arrest to post-conviction, and then, and this is incredibly important, in how we're different, all right? Which is that our measures are meant to be nonpartisan. We are a nonpartisan nonprofit, and what I mean by that is that uh, all of our measures go to one of three goals, which are you know supposed to be as neutral and as things that there's something for everybody. So our three goals are public safety, whether or not you feel as a community member that. You know, you're, you're being um, kept safe and you can walk the streets. Um, fairness, which basically goes to due process rights, which are courted by the Constitution, and financial responsibility. So whether or not you're being fiscally responsible um, as a, a, as a, a justice system and not spending money on things that you don't have to because we can be putting those that money back into other things in the justice system or in other areas where we really need help. So it's fairness, fiscal responsibility, and uh, public safety. So, so that's really where we focus and why we're different. And now to do that, and you're asking about collecting the data, we get publicly available data, and then we go county to county. So I'll just repeat that we go county to county. So that means we have teams of data collectors. So, uh, and they are these brilliant people who have really learned um, how to talk to prosecutors and public defenders and sheriffs and say, look, this is what we're doing. We are um, a nonpartisan organization, a nonprofit, and we are collecting data from the whole system on a county level. Would you like to know how you're doing? If so, give us your data. And a lot of times people say, well, I don't know how to get my data out. And we teach them how to get their data out. Or we work with um, people who do know, and we end up getting the data, and then we put it in a form so that everybody can see it. So that's the other thing that we do that's different. I mean, there have been measures created, right? I mean, trial rate is one of our measures, for example. You know, it's not like that was our original thought. But what we do is we put it in a form so that you can take your mouse, and you can scroll across the state, And you can pick Milwaukee and then you can, you know, compare it to um, Raleigh, North Carolina, and you can compare it to King County, Washington, or you can just compare all rural counties in your states. And that's where we're finding people really love the Measures for Justice platform. I've a prosecutor in Northern Florida who covers a circuit of a bunch of counties. And he said, you know, I had this feeling that um, they were declining certain cases more than they should, but I never had this data before. And so that's a huge part of what we do that's different is thats is that you're able to get this bird's eye view across. And now the, the second thing that we do that uh, that is enormously different, in addition to making it um, so that everybody has access to it, is we've created a series of filters that so you can break down the data. So let's say you only care about a certain type of crime. You can filter it by crime um, type. You can filter it by misdemeanor or felony, right? Or you could filter it, let's say, by non-white versus white. Or you could filter it by gender. So if you want to look at how women are being prosecuted for low-level drugs, you could look at it just by gender um, and start to look across the state. So if you're interested, let's say, in rural counties in Pennsylvania, if you didn't have this kind of data, you would never be able to see what's going on exactly in Indiana County, Pennsylvania. Who's even heard of Indiana Pennsylvania well now I know because I've seen it across the state so this is the idea is that you'll be able to reach into the heart of America and ask really how are you doing mm-hmm.
1: and so you mentioned that a prosecutor was um, you know interacting with the portal already and so is the the platform you know who are the, I, the target users you know it's obviously great to have people Um, like prosecutors using it (laughs) because they can, you know, they're players in the system. Um, But is this meant to be open to, you know, just anyone? Um, What's the ideal? So
0: we've tried to make it easy to use. So that as I mentioned, you can take your mouse and scroll across the whole states. So Lori, if you wanted to go in and you don't work in the justice system, but you're interested in data, right? And you're interested in how people are treated perhaps. Right, you could go in and you could figure out very easily and watch a tutorial and see it. Right, but um, insiders were finding but like that's we've been testing the portal. We have you know six states, which is three hundred counties, and that's ten percent of the counties in the United States. That's what we're going to be launching with in the spring. And what we're finding is that that um, what we're finding is is that that, that people. Um, um, insiders love it because for the first time, as I mentioned, they're able to say to somebody, wait, why is that there? What is this going on here? So it's, 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 it's definitely a tool for insiders because if you are in, you know, a, a I mean, first of all, not even large counties have a proper data capacity for the first time, you're going to have a way to print out a series of measures and pass it around the table and say, let's look at how we're doing. So that's very cool, right so that you every county has like its own evidence based um, report so that's amazing but but it's also something we've noticed that like that we have one prosecutor in Wisconsin who looked at it and saw that you a really um um significant um racial disparity in in terms of getting uh diversions out so diversions meaning getting people um, out of the system into drug programs or um uh, you know, uh, alternatives and and he was having a disparity. He didn't understand why for low-level crimes he was diverting more whites than non-whites and so he put together a little group at the university where he lives and they're working on it to try and figure out the answer to why. In other cases, we had another prosecutor and he wrote a judge and said, why is it that we're doing things this way? So this is, this is the idea is to begin to answer the question why. We don't shame. We, there's nothing about, about this which is heavy-handed. We don't tell you what the data means beyond the measure. We just give you the information so that you can begin to answer questions and have a conversation where there's been silence. This is about creating conversations. It's about creating change, and whatever change you think. People often ask me, well, what's your agenda? Our agenda is transparency. Our agenda is data. And that's really it. you decide the change, you know, our motto is actually no data, no change, but you decide the changes. So if you want the change to be, um, to get a new case management system, that's great. We have one county that gave us like this thick a, uh, of a stenopad pad Xeroxes, you know, that's how they keep their data. They should get a, a case management system, right? So, 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 you know, that might be their change, but for the prosecutor in Wisconsin, it's going to be fixing a racial disparity so that instead of it being 40%, it can be zero. For another county, it could mean that they have, a, we have some racial disparities in there that are 5X, right? So it begins a conversation. And often what we're finding when there's a really big um, um, percentage difference, like sometimes you'll see across the state, it'll be like this, and then there'll be one that's up that people there know that's a problem, but they just haven't ever quantified it. So now it's like, here's the fact, Let's sit down, let's discuss it. And that's really what this is about, It's that and getting better data. Because one of the problems has been in data collection. Is like, you know, people have never had a reason to say, well, I thought we had that data. Where is that data? Don't we collect that? And so now it's against measure so people can begin to have that conversation.
1: Right, yeah. I love the no data, no change um, slogan. And um, when you were uh, talking about going, you know, going into counties and asking them, you know, for the data, what I thought you were going to say was that they often reply like, no, I don't want you to have it. (laughs) So I was kind of like, it was a pleasant surprise. And maybe this was for you too, that they were like, well, I I would love to, but I don't know how, I don't know where that is or how to get it. Um, And I think that would surprise a lot of people um, because, yeah.
0: (laughs) Honestly, so what were, you know, one of the things that I I would like to say something on behalf of prosecutors. They are going to be probably the ones that will use this the most because they, in the large part, I mean, most of the prosecutors I have met, once they see it, they get sort of, oh, wait, why is this? Let me look at this. Let me look at this. I want to try this. And they start to get really engaged. And I feel like, they might be the early adopters for this because um, they're often gregarious. They're, you know, um, fun. They want to have the right, uh, they're playful. They want to have, um, do the right thing. So when they get this new tool, they start playing with it. And then they start asking each other, what do you think of this? And what do you think of that? And da, da, da. So like they're, you know you know, in terms of creating a movement, I think, our hearts are, 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 are really um, with them in this. Like they, and we've, we've shown it to an enormous amount of prosecutors. Right.
1: That's awesome. Um, and with the, the data, you know, itself and, and the different measures, you know, people, it's only like 200 pages, the methodology published on the site. <laughs> About it, it's great though. I think it's instructive um, to see kind of you know how how much went into developing the measures and deciding you know how they were going to be presented um, so as to not be misconstrued and to have the proper context. And so um, you know, I was curious about how much of that has changed from you know the data that you thought you would get versus the data that you you know received. that's yeah. a great question. That's a great question. I mean, one of the things that we found is that
0: um, so we started with just like a little piece of data, and then we started showing it around. And people said, you know what, you need more context. So with every measure, so I mentioned like the diversion measure, then there's a section called legal context. And it gives the legal, it's, we call it a statutory baseline, where it describes the laws in that state so that if you're comparing that state to another state, you can begin to understand um, what the differences are that might cause um, difference in measures, in measurement. But the other thing is about um, about the context, we also give an enormous amount um, from um, the Bureau of Justice Statistics, and you, you can see, um, in using this federal data, which we've broken down to the county level, you can see all sorts of, of of other patterns, such as um, uh, you know, uh, information about uh, you know uh, voting patterns. So it'll say how the county voted, whether it was Democrat or Republican in the last election. And it'll have um, information about population, information about um, racial composition. All of those things that make a huge, and so there's a lot of contextual information. So in addition to getting just the criminal justice measurement, you now have all of this comparative information, so that if you line up different counties, you can begin to see well. Oh, well, here's why they have so many more diversions. It's because they have, you know, some, such a greater population. It's 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 all. That's how it's really changes. That we've gone to enormous lengths to show context.
1: Yeah, it definitely. I'm excited for the day that it's open, so that, so that I, I can when you read the
0: methodology you're like oh my gosh like I can't believe how much is in here and I think that one of the reasons why we've tried you know we're doing something new and you know it's has never existed before um that to have a public county level from arrest to post conviction database where you could filter things by race sex age um and type of crime and so when you begin when you look at it it's really exciting but it had to be done in a very nonpartisan, um, neutral, contextual way. And that's really what we've strived to do. And you know, if, if, if someone has an issue, we always respond and we always um, um, try and refine what we're doing from now until forever.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so um, before we... Before I let you go, um, I definitely wanted to hear about kind of what's on the roadmap, you know, for for it. You mentioned that there's going to be, you're hopefully launching in the spring. Um, and, um, you know, I noticed that there are, you, you are clear that there's specific types of crimes um, that are, or excuse me, specific types of cases that um, are included. And so I was curious about, you know, what the, you know, after you finish with all three thousand counties, what is the the plan for maybe including other types of cases? Well,
0: three thousand counties is enough for us. For, for, <laughs> this is our mission, and once we do three thousand counties, I don't know. We'll I don't know. We'll just go have a huge party. But it's that's going to take a long time. It's going to yeah. take us a while. We're starting the six states. We're adding several more this year and next year, and you're, it's going to be a steady drumbeat of of more and more data. And improving the tool. And so um, right now, it's 3,000 counties, um, not civil, not juvenile, just criminal, adult, and, um, and, and getting people excited about having a new tool and new data that they can use to create change, whatever
1: change means to you. Right. Awesome. And um, with the kind of with the rollout like is there anything people can do to kind of say hey could you please do my county next um you know or is is there kind of already a, a plan and priority well we have some plans of okay. how we're gonna scale
0: up but let's say you're in a community and you want this tool in your community please write us Um, We always need advocates, people who can tell us, you know, talk to this prosecutor, this public defender, we really like it, and we can begin. Um, I I think um, that's the hope, is that uh, we've already had, you know, states write us now or counties write us and say, we want this tool, how can we get it? And we we haven't even launched yet. Okay. That, you know, what we're finding is, and this is the coolest part about it, more data breeds more data. Data breeds data. So, like, once you pull it out, people want more and more. So, um, so, so if, if you want it, write us, and we'll do our best to figure out how we can get it. Awesome. And it's free. Don't forget that. It's the best part of it. It's free for you to use and do what you need to do.
1: Excellent. Um, and so, where can people or where should people go to keep up with um, the launch of the tool and and follow the progress? MeasuresforJustice.org.
0: Um, the measures were posted last week, and the methodology is posted, and there'll be more things posted from now throughout the spring. Excellent.
1: All right. Well, um, thanks again. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for your work. <laughs> um, and yeah. I'm excited to see the impact that it will definitely make. Thank you so much for having me. Hey there, listener. Are you ready to make an impact in your community? Wherever you are on your civic hacker journey and whatever level of interest you have in civic tech, you will want to get your free access to a special video collection we put together themed around building a civic hacking community. Just go to civic-hackers.com Dot org slash free videos all one word free videos to enter your email address and get the exclusive link once again that's civic hyphen freevideos slash free videos As experts on helping criminal justice agencies become transparent about what they do and using their data for reform, it's no surprise that Measures for Justice has an important role to play right now. In this time of so many communities taking a hard look at issues of equity in policing and at the criminal justice system overall, the lack of transparency, the lack of data is glaring. This summer, Measures for Justice released some preliminary results of research they did as part of the Safety and Justice Challenge, which is a five year, $217 million effort by the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation seeking to reduce over incarceration by changing the way America thinks about and uses jails. The report is titled Incarceration Weakens a Community's Immune System. Mass Incarceration and COVID-19 Cases in Milwaukee. It is a sobering look at COVID data through the lens of their justice system data, and I'll provide the link in the episode description. They'll be doing more work to look at other jurisdictions, but I can't help but think about the fact that this analysis can't be done for all jurisdictions right now. As you heard Amy say, some don't even know how to extract this data from whatever record-keeping systems they have. Thankfully, Measures for Justice has been working to resolve this lack of data prior to now. Measures for Justice is now the biggest and most comprehensive county-level criminal justice database in the country. It's updated regularly, and it's freely available to the public. You can find it at measuresforjustice.org portal. And on their site, measuresforjustice.org, you can, of course, Find their social media info and link to donate and support their work as well. Quick plug, the video at our recent watch party included Measure for Justice's research director and other experts in an insightful panel on closing data gaps. And it was from last year's Smart on Crime Innovation Conference. Lots of great info if you're interested in this topic and the role of data in criminal justice reform. The link to the archive page with the Q&A from that watch party will be in the show notes as well, along with uh, the link to sign up to be invited to the next watch party. As always, I want to wrap things up with gratitude. I am thankful for the people who stay in the fight, no matter who's in office at the federal, state or local level and do the work of innovating and challenging institutions to serve their communities in more equitable ways and with transparency. They are helping to bend that arc that Dr. King talked about, bending the arc of the moral universe towards justice, sending out waves of gratitude to you for listening. I consider it a privilege to be on this journey with you, and I'm honored by your support. Please help other people discover this podcast by rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. I welcome your feedback to help me put together a show that meets your needs. Remember to follow the Civic Hacker Network on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, and to subscribe to our email list for an invitation to join us on Slack. You can find all the links on our website, civic-hackers.org. I'm Laurie McNeil, I hope you are well and wish you all the good things between now and your next listen to the Civic Hacker Podcast. Problems have solutions. Let's get to work. The Civic Hacker Podcast is a production of the Civic Hacker Network. The Civic Hacker Network is a networking and support hub for people using data and technology to create positive change in their communities. Join the network for free at civic-hackers.org.